Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining, joined by the lovely Jeremy Dunn, happily married man. Congratulations. Welcome Thank back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. It's been a very long time. Yes. How um, how's it feel? Well, um, I might not have a diamond on my left hand, but I sure do have a pretty ring. There you go. Mm-hmm. No, Did it you was get all great. the jitters and everything? What's that? Did you get all the jitters and all the nervousness that, you know, the, everybody anticipates at a wedding? Yes, and they called me Bridezilla. <laughs> the, the, the day before, I, I'm not kidding you, Robert, I was in a panic because that Thursday they had come out and they delivered and they set up the tent, but... They just threw the chair, and the chairs didn't come when I was there, and, and the tables were on their sides, and I was all a panic on Friday. So Friday morning, I get over there. The caterer's there. The flowers are there. Everything's there, and then I just settled down. It was, it was amazing. And, and then when I, when I came in on, on Saturday, it was just beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we had a little over 70 guests that showed up. Wahoo, people like me. Um, oh, wait, yeah, people like Mark, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 there's that, that two people. But, um, yeah, I saw it, the it, photos it, on Facebook. They looked really you, nice. Yeah, some of the, yeah, there's some pictures there, and then um, my dad and a friend like Kevin, between the two of them, have a little over 1,000 pictures. Okay. I'm not kidding you. That's a lot of pictures, but that's good. It's good to have so many pictures. Yeah, you so. You never have too I, many. Yeah, I'm going to have to go through all of them and, and figure out which ones I like and which ones, you know, I somewhat like and and which ones right. I'm going to demand my money back on because I didn't pay either one of them. <laughs> but it was it was lovely. The food was good, people danced. Um I just everybody I think had a great time. And um it was just so much fun. Then after after the ceremony, after the reception, there was a, a, you know, kind of an after party, if you wish. But um, before I get to that, the same night, last Saturday, as my wedding, mm-hmm. Lady Gaga was here in Charlotte. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was the Gaga-licious. So half of the people that came to my, my party left my wedding and went on to Lady Gaga. Oh, how fun. 
Yeah, and then they left there and went to another party called the White Party. It, it was as a farewell to summer thing that they do here in Charlotte at a at a big um, estate. And what's what's very hysterical is is that um, well, it's not hysterical. It's it's actually quite touching. Is is that all the money that the White Party um, raises goes to charity? So. Many of the there's the gay and lesbian fund. There's Time Out Youth, which is for um, uh, young gays and lesbians, and then there's uh, a couple of HIV um, uh, organizations that get the money as well. So it, it, it's just it, it was a great Saturday, and it went by so fast. You know, I, I've heard that people say that you start planning your wedding, you know, and you're, it's all this work, it's all this planning, and then all of a sudden it's over, it's done. You don't even mm-hmm. remember it. And I have to say, yeah, it's true. Because Mark popped the question back in December of last year. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 last year. All, we, we did almost nine and a half months worth of planning, and then one day it's done. Right? It's like all that work. It's like, where the hell did it go? I didn't get to eat. And, and they told me that I wouldn't be able to. They right. said that I would not be able to eat, that I wouldn't get to eat, that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't see everybody. I didn't believe them. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'll see no, 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 no. I, I, I will be able to see, you know, I'll be able to talk to everybody. I, I'll, I'll get, um, I'll, I'll have food. Yeah, no. It's true. Everybody who's listening, when you're getting married, it's so true. The day of, you don't get to eat. You don't even you, you get to cut your cake, and that's about it. Um, and then, and then it, it's pictures, and and you're talking to people, and it, it was it, it was just a, a fantastically good time, just wonderful. And something that was very cool is that Charlie, my dog, was there, right? And her best friends, Buzz and Rocky, were also there. So Mark and I walked down the aisle. This was so cute. You could not have trained her or asked her to do this. We walked down the aisle, and we turn and face each other. She comes trotting down and sits right between the two of us. Oh, how cute. She says, I'm here. All right, let's do this. And she sat there through the entire thing. Uh, and I saw, I'm sure you got plenty of photos. Oh, we have tons of photos. Uh, <laughs> and, and here's another funny, funny part of it is there are pictures that I've seen so far that it's, it, it's Charlie is like, um, is like a ghost. It, it's funny because you'll see pictures of people on the dance floor and then you'll see me and Mark or my mom and me or, or somebody with either, my, either Mark or myself or the two of us on the dance floor and there she is. <laughs> just She's on the dance floor looking around, just standing guard. She's with us. And it was very funny because we were flipping through. It's like, oh, it's like that ghost image that ne- that only appears in certain. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know what I'm talking about, ghost images. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's just you know, it just it's it's great to hear such you know. I hate to say positive, but such a, a good story. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people come on and they'll share, it, and and sometimes it puts people on a downer because it reminds them of the past and. Hearing you share about you getting married, you know, being proposed to, and all that, going through the wedding plans and the jitters, and then it all being over, it, it just offers a lot of hope. And I, and I, I thank you for sharing it because a lot of people think that they're never ever going to be able to get married because one, they're gay, 
or, you know, they're HIV positive, they're never going to find that relationship. And, and you and Mark, you know, that example of you sharing that just really shows people that, you know, life isn't over and you can still have this wonderful relationship with another person. That's right, because you know what? HIV is just something that has happened to the two of us, and we keep marching on. You know, we're not going right. to let it drag us down. I, I, you know, sometimes I feel like, um, oh, what's her name? Um, Vivian Lee from Gone with the Wind. At the very end, when she looks up and she goes, but after, t- but after all, tomorrow is another day. And she's holding her fist up, and then the sunset. And, and that's what it's like living with HIV. It's true. It, it's right. tomorrow is another day. You know what? We we all have a terror that we're going back home to, whether that be a physical home or an emotional home or or an old folks home. <laughs> we're all going back to one one day, but it, but it's true. It, it's HIV will you we allow HIV to stop us in our tracks. HIV doesn't do that to us. We allow that to happen, and and, and I'm a firm believer of that. Anyway, oh, yeah, I mean, it's all I know. Enough. Look at that. We've wasted away eight minutes. No, that's fine. I actually have Polo calling in a quarter um, after because I wanted oh, to talk okay. anyway about the wedding, so I figured we'd be talking a little bit. And I had a couple announcements I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, you have announcements? Just, Are you getting married? <laughs> no, 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 not those announcements. Oh, um, but, um, hey, okay, hold on. Joseph, if you're listening, pop <laughs> the question. you got a good one here. <laughs> it's funny because he's listening. Um, I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, something I did want to bring up is I wanted to remind everybody that tonight, actually, right after uh, the radio show is over at 10 o'clock, um, brothers and sisters come back on, and last year they ended it with uh, the uncle finding out he was HIV positive. So that's something that you know some of our listeners may want to tune into and, and see how that pans out as he's uh, an older gentleman. You know, he's a... Uh, in the show, and he's finding out later in life that he's HIV positive, and it's fun to see. It's interesting to see how they're going to play um, the HIV into the storyline. So it should be interesting. So I, you know, it's something that I definitely want to continue a discussion about while the, the season is on, and as they do different things in there. I think it's you know kind of worth talking about since HIV really you don't see in your sitcoms on TV mostly. Well, I don't think brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in is a sitcom, is it? Well, it's not, it's a sitcom. It's a show. That's on, it's an hour show. I guess a half hour is a sitcom. So it's just a, a normal show. But you don't really see it in prime time. I guess is what I should say. <laughs> hmm. So that's something well, okay. interesting. I, I, I will not school you on what is a sitcom and what isn't on the yeah, air. You know, I'll, I'll call you later, <laughs> and then I'll and I'll explain it to you. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is: yes. Did you see the recent Oprah? interview um, where she went back to uh, West Virginia? No, because West Virginia scares me. Okay, well, I guess in 87 she, there was a story she did on her show about uh, a guy by the name of Mike Sisko who was HIV positive and went swimming and caused a ruckus in West Virginia, and she went there and kind of did like a town hall meeting back in 87. And this is her last season, so she went back and revisited to see what it has changed over the years, if anything has. And since then, Mike, the gentleman who went on to basically in 1987, which is when nobody really talked about being HIV positive, especially publicly, he went out and did this town hall meeting with his one sister facing his whole entire town who was 
scrutinizing him for going in their pool and, and possibly infecting their children. And, and it was back in the early stages, so I can understand some of maybe not being educated and some of the ignorance as, you know, not, as, like I said, not being educated. But it was kind of different to see that she came and she brought it back now in 2010 and went back and revisited with the, the three sisters, three of Mike's sisters, and the, got, the people who really spoke out against Mike and said, like, some really horrible things like saying that we should be all put on an island and put away and things like that, people with HIV, and all, things of that nature. So it was very interesting to see the now and the then and now and how things have changed. And there was actually a gentleman by the name of Eugene who was on the show who was from uh, West Virginia and remembered, you know, Mike and actually was friends with Mike Sisko, the, the kid who uh, was basically, I guess, thrown out of the pool. Um, and he came on and talked about living openly as a gay male and HIV positive I'm actually uh, in the midst of talking to his sisters. I just uh, connected with them, so I may have his sister and Eugene actually try to come on a show together and, and bring the story to Positive Radio so some, our listeners can hear that as well. Oh, that would be great. That, and then the only other thing I did want to remind people is no, that... No, you I only said two. Oh, you said sorry? two. You only said two. Yeah, well, I have a third. Um, okay. I reopened up uh, the <laughs> online store where people can go ahead and uh, purchase Positive T-shirts, uh, mugs, aprons, shirts for your little doggy, um, and things of that nature, uh, we kind of rebranded uh, Paws I Am and, and set up the new shirt so people, because everyone's been asking for the local AIDS walks that are coming up and conferences, they want to go out and they want to, you know, promote the radio show and promote the, the network, so, you know, here's your chance, you guys can actually go to Cafe Press backslash Paws I Am, and all the information is there, you can purchase them and get your t-shirts, you know, I, I believe within like two days delivered to your door. Oh, it, it's great. And because I have my own T-shirts out on mm-hmm. Cafe Press as well. Did I tell you what happened? Mm-hmm. I misspelled it. Oh, yes, you did. And I got two T-shirts in that were positively speaking. <laughs> missed an I. So I have those two proofs sitting in my closet, and I wear them proudly. And it's, it's, I actually kind of laughed and cried all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to have to get me a Paws I Am t-shirt because I've been wanting one. Can I get one in red? Uh, right now they're not in red. Uh, they're not available in red on, on there. But there's different colors. There's yellow. There's blue. There's green. There's white. There's one oh, with red oh, sleeve. I, I can get a ringer tee, though. Yeah, the ringer tee actually has the logo on the front, and then on the back has the website, the one with the red uh, ring. I yeah, might so have to get one. the only one doubled with the front and the back. Okay, and, and do you do you have our names on there? I do not have our names on there, no. Oh, Robert, you should say uh, hosted with, you know, you should put our names on there. <laughs> so let's move on and talk about oh, our Oh, let's our, move our on, guest. he says. I, I know that I'm is, a publicity whore, I'm sorry. Uh, our guest is now um, on the line. So I oh, is she? Bring, yeah, I wanted to bring her on. And um, I'm going to read here from what we have here in the show bio. And uh, she is the undisputed queen of San Francisco media. Media. I can't even. Media. <laughs> media, because you know why? It says polo, so I was putting it together. It's polo. So let me start over. The undisputed anyway. queen of San Francisco media, Polio <laughs> Del Mar, is an award-winning celebrity journalist, news, weekly newspaper columnist, Celebrated Bay Area drag personality and performer, outspoken community activist, tireless fundraiser, and magazine cover girl. Please help me welcome Polio Del Mar to the show. 
Hi guys, that's your intro music. Because we have low budget here, we we have to sing your intro music. I understand. It's a tough time. I mean, as somebody who does a lot of community fundraising, I know how hard it is to get those dollars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, I've you? even mugged a couple of homeless people for a dollar. Oh, well. So, well, you got to do what you got to do, really. I'm know. telling you. Yes. Well, I understand that congratulations are in order. So, congratulations, newlywed. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yay. Yeah, so, yeah, got married last week. That is, that is adorable. Well, thanks. I looked. We looked adorable too. We were in these little seersucker jackets, and we looked like little kids walking down the street. Aww. I know it, it, it's sick, really. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say, what's sick is the fact that to me, seersucker sounds like a dirty word. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is a dirty so, word. But it, you know we're down here in the south, so seer sucker is you know a way a way of life. <laughs> Sounds like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Something on river monsters. <laughs> exactly, monsters inside me. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, so how, how are you doing this evening? I am doing. I'm doing really well. Um, you know, I, last night was a big night here in San Francisco. I'm part of an organization called the Grand Ducal Council of San Francisco, and it's a uh, non-profit fundraising organization that's been around for 37 years and um, they elect one drag queen and one male if you will um, to these fundraising chair positions and I was elected last year at this time and last night was my last night in that chairmanship position and I stepped down in front of about 350 people from in and out of town and it was great it was a great night so it was um, I'm a little tired and but I'm excited to be on the air with you guys and talking to Off AM Radio that's great. So, so tell us a little bit about the organization. Well, um, you, you know, it's part of a, a, a bigger organization called the Imperial Court System, um, oh, International Court System. And it's like the International Court System has courts in, I think, 72 cities around the country in three different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and San Francisco has two such organizations. One is the Grand Ducal Council of San Francisco, which I'm part of, and the other is the Imperial Council of San Francisco. And they're both... Um, relatively large organizations. They raise, raise thousands of dollars each year for worthy nonprofits. And I got involved about three years ago. And this past year, um, they do elections, as I mentioned. There's, the two titles are Grand Duke and Grand Duchess. And I, when I'm explaining it to people who are not part of the group, explain that basically the community elects two people to be in charge of the fundraising efforts for the next year. And that's what I was elected to uh, last year. And we did some great work. We brought in a lot of new people, which is always difficult if, you know, to, for nonprofit organizations to get the kind of volunteer manpower that they need to be able to go into the community and bring in the cash that everybody really right now is fighting for in so many ways. But we were able to do that, and we raised a total of $32,000 for local nonprofit organizations that we then distributed the money to last month. It was great, very fulfilling. Oh, that's terrific. So, that's yeah. That's awesome. So and a, a, a significant portion of that, you know, as would be imagined, goes to HIV and AIDS organizations. We also, of course, support organizations that deal with things of uh, breast cancer, um, organizations that deal with drug and alcohol addiction, uh, since that's a huge component of what's kind of 
an obstacle facing the gay lesbian community is drug and alcohol issues. Um, we worked with community organizations dealing with gay youth and a whole bunch of other things. Of course, we did stuff with the Matthew Shepard Foundation and other organizations that largely focus on the gay and lesbian community, but it's been just an amazing year for us, and um, it, it's something I'm super proud of, actually, right now. So, it Sounds yeah. like you should be. It's been it's been really great. It, you know, it's an organization actually that the Ducal Council here in San Francisco was facing some issues that are kind of incumbent to so many organizations right now. Like I said, it was very difficult for them to get new people involved and to volunteer because it's an entirely volunteer nonprofit organization. Mm. Nobody gets paid mm. whatsoever, and we were able to pull in a lot of new life and a lot of new um, warm bodies to help us out, and it, that's just. It's been incredible. It's been a great way to get involved in my community and give back because since I started performing, especially since I started performing in drag uh, about five years ago, the community has just really rallied behind me to support everything I've done and has been so loving and giving, and I really feel good to be able to kind of give back in that way over the past year or so. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, because you do a lot of fundraisers, don't you? Because I, I think when we had you on last time, which wasn't actually too long ago, uh, Jack was on with us, and, and we talked about some of the amazing fundraising that you did. Um, do you have some fundraisers coming up, or? Well, we actually, I am almost always doing a fundraiser. Literally, like, right. about twice a month I'm involved in a fundraiser in some capacity or another. And um, the last time, it was funny because the last time that you and I, that we all spoke, I left a fundraiser that I was hosting to come and talk to you guys for an hour, and when I went back, the fundraiser had ended without me. But, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of some stuff that we have upcoming. There's actually the, thing, the next thing that I'm going to be personally involved in, and it's an idea that um, I've had for a while, and it's something I've seen done in other cities, and I would love to see it brought here, is um, a friend of mine, uh, is, her name is Jane Weedland. She's... People know her. She's a member of the Go-Go. She was on Surreal Life, and she, you know, she's this fabulous woman who I met a few years ago. And she contacted me recently saying she's doing this thing called Bowling for Boobies in L.A. And it's a, basically a bowl-a-thon type of thing where, you know, people donate money for every pin that you bowl or whatever. And um, I really want to bring that idea to San Francisco and do it um, where we would get all the drag performers to come out and bowl, everybody bowling in drag. You know, oh, that would be so get, fun. I just think it would be so colorful and so much fun. And um, I, I was in New York recently, and the, I, I'm dating. So one of the things that's a big difference for me in my life since we last talked is that I've got a boyfriend now. And um, so, he, and he, oh, thank you. And he actually is part of a Broadway show, and they do Broadway bowls every Thursday night. They have this bowling league. And it's, um, uh, what is it, Equity Fights AIDS? Um, yep. So... They, they all come out and they bowl, and it's a, a huge AIDS fundraiser, basically ongoing every week for 52 weeks of the year. And um, I want to kind of duplicate that, too. I think that that would be a lot of fun for us, you know, if we got this big drag bowling thing. It was just inspirational to me. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the dates are going to be on that, but that will be upcoming for us. And hopefully people in the community will rally behind it and, and kind of get in support of it. I just think it could be so much fun. I know. I totally love agree bowling. With you. Yeah, aren't you a bowling person, Jeremy? Am I a bowling person? No, I'm a baller, though. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to see my pins, baby? Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> but, no, the bowling's actually good because it's a different angle, you know. And for me, to see 
So not only bowl is fun for me, so to participate in that would be fun, but to go and actually watch Drag Queens Bowl would be even more hilarious, I think. You know what I mean? I mean it would be a really I, good show. Yeah, I mean, I think that that could be really hilarious. And, you know, it's a situation where, like, Bowling, if unless you're really good at it, bowling is kind of comedic anyway, and it's in its yeah. own right. You know, you're out there and like, uh, the, I, so when I went to New York recently, uh, the first time we were there, my boyfriend was like, "Let's go and and do this bowling thing," and they welcomed me with open arms. But I was so terrible. The first game, I bowled like 54, and anybody who knows anything like a, a, the perfect score, I guess, is 300. Maybe 300. Yeah, I, you you sucked. Yeah, I got a 54, yeah. so, you know. Oh, that's bad. But but it was fun, you know. And, and the bright side is, like, if I actually actually put this bowl-a-thon type thing together, if people pledge, you know, 10 cents a pin, they're going to get away with dirt cheap. <laughs> oh, no. See, now, I mean, now you're short-selling yourself. I hope they pledge a flat fee. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'll give, you, I'll give you $25, whatever, you know. Yeah. But, um... It'll be fun, I think. It could be a lot. They're going to be like, no, no, you don't want to support. Yeah. You bowled a 54, really? Yeah. It's like, that's averaging, what, there's like 10, that's like five point, whatever, two pins per um, per Oh, my God, there's 10 frames. There's 10 frames in a game. Yeah. Uh, Okay, now I'm I'm really showing my geekiness, so I'll stop now. Um. It's bad. I mean, it's admittedly really bad. The second game, like, I dramatically improved. I was like, yeah, I've hit my stride. And for me, hitting my stride was like I got 118 points or something. So that's, um, that's commendable. Yeah. So, that's okay. too bad. That's not, that's that's not, not horrible. I, I bowled a 257 on average. No, you do not. Yeah, I do. Do you really? That, I do. You use bumpers. Yeah. I don't use bumpers. Oh my God, that's that's impressive. Well, two fifty-seven is really impressive. Yeah, I've I've bowled a one in my entire life. I've bowled one three hundred game, a one. Wow. And th- that, it's not it's not easy to do that. Let me tell you. But not at yeah, all. Well, so I, I think I might take you on. I might well, I might have a winning chance here. Uh, well, I would think so. Like you, we could play like you could play one game, and I would bowl like three, and we could just add my score together and see if I could even accumulate a total anywhere near your two fifty seven. That would be horrible. Excuse me. Oh, that's funny. So, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is I, I've been you know checking out your Facebook a lot because you're on there a lot and you post a lot of things, and I saw you got some really awesome photos coming out. You got the one in the yellow shirt where you're all delicious. Um, I don't know which one that is. Is it the one where I'm, is it the one where I'm coming through streamers? That one? No, that's the gold shirt, and that one's fabulous. So I don't remember a yellow one, a yellow shirt. Maybe I, this is the thing with me, like, um, and this is the thing with my. This is one of my philosophies on drag. If there's not a photo to prove that you are in drag, it never happens. So oh. like anytime, anytime I'm, and I also. Writing for the weekly paper, I have to, no matter what I write about, I have to have photos to go with it. So I'm one of the few drag queens that I know that actually travels with a photography entourage. And, like, everywhere I go, they doc, it's documented. And it, people think it's ridiculous. I'm sure it is. Um, to me, it's just, like, my reality. Because if I'm in drag and there's no photos to go on Facebook and Twitter and all of those things to prove that I was in drag, it might as well have never happened, you know. So 
Um, there's a lot of photos, but some of them, like the gold one, the, the gold streamers, um, that's one of my, I love that one in particular. A friend of mine is a very talented photographer. His name is Jose A. Guzman Colon, and he um, recently published a, a coffee table book of his images called Glam Gender. People can check it out at glamgender.com, but it's gorgeous, and he he is a drag personality himself, so he gets, like, you know, trying to incorporate drag and tell a story with drag, so it's, I love it. So... So let me ask you a question about uh-huh. drag, you know. Um, okay. Especially now that RuPaul has come out with, you know, Drag You and RuPaul's Drag Race, what do you think that has done for um, drag in general? So um, in my pers- from my perspective, um, it has brought drag back into the mainstream in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's revitalized drag certainly on a national level, it's made um, a handful of performers national celebrities. You know, like this weekend, um, Angina, who called in last time, Angina is a very good friend of mine. She's actually in San Francisco this weekend as well. She was supposed to stay at my house. Um, People like Angina and the winners of RuPaul's Drag Race certainly have become well-known national celebrities within the gay community. It's elevated a lot of um, younger performers to these kind of roles that they probably would have never gotten without that kind of exposure on television. And I think that that's fantastic. I, I definitely think that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's given uh, drag queens, a, once again, a rightful place within the gay community um, and, and made us more mainstream in many ways. But what I also think from a, a purely um, performer-oriented perspective is that there's kind of the perspective now within the gay community that unless you have been on RuPaul's Drag Race, you have not been successful as a drag performer. You know, Mm -hmm. that there there was a time and place, and and it's still there, but it's less so, when um, performers could basically climb the ladder within their own region that they perform in and become extremely well-known. And they were then elevated to a, a degree of celebrity within the overall gay community because publications would pick up on these performers that are personalities. Some of, some of us are not necessarily performers, but we are personalities who have been accomplished and done things of note in their individual communities, and they would report on that. But now, you know, it doesn't kind of matter what's happening in your own community. It's about what's being seen by everybody on television and around the world. So if you haven't appeared on RuPaul's Drag Race, um, or worked in those capacities, you know, there's, um, you kind of don't exist uh, to a large degree. And, and people that I would look to as pioneers in the drag community in a lot of ways, people like a RuPaul or people like a Lady Bunny or people mm-hmm. like a Jackie Beat. I get, you know, there's so many, Barla Jean Merman, these people came out of regional drag scenes where they kind of elevated themselves to a celebrity status that got them known nationally, and they didn't do that with television exposure. They did not do that with, um, you know, having appeared on a reality TV series. They did that through a lot of hard work and being good at what they do. And unfortunately, I think that some of that has been taken away by the fact that now there's something to mark what is perceived as successful. So, you know. Yeah, that's always tough. I mean, I I dated somebody who, who did drag, and I'll tell you what, that is a lot of hard work. 
had a lot of friggin' dedication, a lot of long hours making dresses. If you make your own dresses and your hair and your all this, it is a lot of work. And you know, for to do it, you know, and for yourself to gain the celebrity status that you have, because you're known all over, and you're proof that you don't have to be on RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, to be to be known. And I think what you do is great. And for you to use your celebrity status and use it for all this fundraising efforts, whether it's related to HIV or AIDS or any kind of other fundraiser, I think it's a great service to the community. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, it's drag for me has been so empowering. Um, you know, like my, we talked about this the last time I was on the show, but my, my personal journey um, into drag was kind of unexpected. It was not something I aspired to do or set out to do. It just happened. And what attracted me to doing it on an ongoing basis was the fact that suddenly I had the ability or something to draw people in to, to do things that I had always found inspirational. I had always been drawn to um, bringing the community together, and I'd always been drawn in a lot of ways to entertaining, and I'd always been drawn to raising money for causes of interest to myself. And then with drag, it just elevated my ability to do that in a whole new way. And that's what inspired me at first. And then it just took on a life of itself, of its own and kind of snowballed. But, you know, it's something that, um, unfortunately, I, I do think that if I were to kind of assess the way drag is around the country, um, for a lot of people in a lot of areas, drag is a profession wherein they make their income that way. And it's not about fundraising. It's not about giving back to the community, at least not on a consistent and ongoing basis. But I'm really fortunate because in San Francisco, um, there are people such as myself, and I am a professional at what I do. I get paid to do it. I get paid well to host parties and be at events. But a significant portion of my time is set aside. It's kind of like, um, in its own way, it's kind of like those attorneys who – practice professionally, but they also set aside a certain number of hours to do pro bono work because they want to give back. And it's the same way. Like, I set aside a certain number of my hours every week to do fundraising and to to give back to the community. I mean, as an entertainer, you know, like I said, I get paid fairly well to host these parties and events, but if those people in the community didn't support me, if they didn't like what I do, if they didn't, you know, appreciate me as a performer they're not going to show up at those events, and the, my ability to do what I do on a professional level is going to dry up. It's going to evaporate. So I really appreciate the fact that people like me and that they come out to my parties and they come out to my events. And in return, what I do to kind of give back to them a little bit is the kind of fundraising that I really enjoy, you know, because it makes services available to all of us that we probably would not have otherwise or that could be in jeopardy because of so many budget cuts that are happening right now. And I, I just don't want to see um, anybody in need not have the opportunity and, you know, services available to them that thankfully have been always available to me. So that's and, and Especially in California. Yeah, I mean, well, California, right, I think that in a lot of ways California is still advanced over what's available around the country. You know, we have so many things especially in San Francisco, we have a lot of resources available to us. But, and I think some people take this for granted, but right now we're not in a position to take anything for granted. Yeah. Money from the government is drying up, and yeah. it's up to us as a community to make sure that we still have those things available to us. Well, yeah, and California is doing some very interesting things budget-wise, too. So 
I think we're going to be turning more and more to our local our, our local communities, and and I think um, as a drag performer, see how I bring all this around. As a drag performer, you have an incredible opportunity to bring those local dollars in. So you go. So, yeah, I mean, and the thing, and the interesting thing is that um, you know, Sacramento. What's happening in Sacramento here, like the budget crisis and all of those things. Interestingly enough. Some, our legislators, uh, our legislators are aware of what we're doing locally. And um, last night, I was, as I mentioned, I was at this big event, and um, Senator Senator Mark Leno, who is one of our um, elected gay officials, was there. He presented us with certificates of appreciation for what we've done, and I that was really pretty amazing to me too. So, thank oh, you, nice. Senator Leno. Yeah. That's so, absolutely yeah. cool. So. Um, I had a question. I even wrote down a word on my little notepad and to remind me of what that question was. And, of course, as as Robert will tell you, um, I, I haven't taken my meds yet, anybody, so it, I can't blame it on that. Um, <laughs> I, I've decided I won't take my meds until 10 o'clock on Sundays. Um, oh, God. Anyway. Right. I got, I got yeah, one. Um, go for it. How is, in the drag community itself, how is HIV perceived? Is it talked about? Is it something that nobody really talks about? Like, how is it? Because obviously I, I don't know what it's like to be in that community now. So what is it like now? Like, do you see more people, you know, with Angina coming out on TV being positive? Do you see more drag queens coming out saying that they're positive and, and kind of like accepting their status? Or is it not talked about? I, you know, I still think that that's an individual decision, and I think that, um, you know, in my circle of friends, um, those of us who are positive do discuss it amongst each other. Um, some of them are very open about their status when they're on stage and when they're performing. You know, um, one of my friends um, every year makes um, the big joke. Her big joke is like, uh, this weekend I'm doing the AIDS walk. Yeah, I'm walking from my house to the bank to the deposit the money I made tonight. You know, like, that's her AIDS walk thing. Um, I, I think that it's, with HIV, I think it's so individual. I, I think that people's decisions on how they deal with it, how they express it, how they process through it, and um, whether they make it up public or not is so individual. I mean, I certainly know that my decisions around it are extremely individual. I couldn't say that there is a perception within the entire drag community. I don't I can't say that there is a way that the entirety of, you know, the drag queens that I know respond to it. I certainly think that um, you know, with Angina being more open, I think that in and out of the drag community, I think that having an I by the way, Anjana just texted me. If you heard a bling, that was her texting me. Um, I, I think that with Angina and with every person who's an identifiable personality and or celebrity who's open about their status, I think that it allows other people permission in a way to be open and honest mm-hmm. about what their experience and status is as well. I mean, I think that's, I think that that is so empowering for a lot of people because the perception by many people, especially the newly diagnosed, is that they're so alone in that experience. Mm-hmm. And when um, they find out that other people around them have had a similar experience, and when they find out how those people that they respect and have dealt with on a potentially on a daily basis 
process through the experience and how they got to the other side, where they took it from traumatic to empowering, where they took the experience from um, depressing to uplifting, where they took it from um, life-changing to life-affirming. I think once you figure out how to make that transition, once you talk to somebody who's done that, somebody that you respect and trust, admire, and um, have some kind of personal connection to, then it allows you to understand how to make that transition yourself. And I think that even though people may not know Angina on a personal level, when they hear her story or when they were watching Drag Race and saw her come out publicly about that, um, it touched them and then they felt they could relate. You know, I think that, um, and, you know, and I think that, you know, in terms of what that's done for the greater community, um, I think it's extremely powerful. Again, I don't feel comfortable saying that the entirety of the drag community here does one thing or another, but uh, But I I do know that. Like, have you read any studies or anything that maybe that have done or or polls that were taking about maybe infection rates in the drag community? Because I know they do different, you know, like studies and stuff on certain, you know, groups of people and infection rates. I just know since you work in the media, if you maybe heard of anything like that. Well, one of the things I would say is that I think that I've never I've never taken a, a study that would ask me to identify as a drag personality or not. Um, I think that a lot I think that there's certainly probably incredible amounts of statistics available for the transgender community and rates of infection among transgender women, but tra- I would be very quick to point out that transgender women and drag queens are completely different things. Yeah. Um, you know, so, some transgender women do probably identify as drag queens, and some drag queens probably identify as transgender women, but they're not the same. And so, and considering the fact that um, probably 99% of the drag performers I personally know identify simply as gay men, who happens to do drag, uh, which is my situation. I'm a gay man who happens to be a drag performer as well. Um, when I do the studies, I just identify as a gay man. So that's the category I would fall under statistically. Right. So, so speaking of studies and gay men, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. What is your take about the new CDC um, uh, data that has just come out in the last couple of days where it's one in five men who have sex with men, gay, bisexual, straight, married, or whatever, are HIV positive, and 44% of those folks don't even know that they have it. What, what is your take on on that recent development? Hmm, it's interesting for me because of the fact that statistics in San Francisco, unfortunately, are greatly elevated in terms of the infection rate among men who have sex with men. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the number, the percentages of men in San Francisco, gay men in San Francisco, who are HIV positive is significantly higher than what you have just mentioned. Well, I think, uh, I think for, the, for, for San Francisco, it's around 80% of gay men. And nationally, it's, it's hovering around um, 20%. Right. So, I mean... For me, like, I mean, you have to understand my perspective here. So living in San Francisco for the past 11, almost 12 years, where the HIV rates, I would say it's probably close to about 60% are positive. That Mm -hmm. that may be 
that may be not correct. And that's just a, a guess. But um, that's really high, and it's very it's obviously alarmingly high. Um, so when I hear that it's, it's one in five, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a relief to know that. But at the same time, when you think about the fact that um, one in five men in general across the country, gay men, are infected with HIV, that's also still alarming because of the fact that it, it shows that um, the education that has been ongoing since I was uh, young, I'm 37, so the, the education that has been happening since the late 80s, early 90s around HIV doesn't seem to be working. You know, well, like, do you think also it could be, and, and, and I, I bring this up because I, they didn't really reveal all of their results in the in the in a lot of the stories that I've read so far in the in the it, it, you know like CNN and and across the board, and I haven't yet dove into the CDC study itself, but one of my theories, just to throw it out there, is that because gay men are living longer. Um, more, um, you're going to see more positive men. That, right. That's entirely possible. Because, because the, the that, infection rate is still, I think, pretty stable. Versus, I mean, I, that, yeah, I get what you're saying. That's entirely mm-hmm. possible because in the past, like, um, people would become infected and then they would die fairly quickly and so therefore, right. like, they would fall off the statistic. Exactly. Um, and, and now it's a matter of people are becoming infected and living healthy, productive lives for extended periods of time, and therefore they become a part of the statistic on a growing basis. So, um, yeah, I never, I, I never actually thought about that. That's a really a valid point, I think, um, and something to, to look at. I also – my thing is I want to find out the kind of um, – statistics that tie in the correlation between um, methamphetamine use and infection rates. I know that's astronomically mm-hmm. high, and, and methamphetamine use is actually skyrocketing mm-hmm. in both the straight and gay communities, yeah. and it's becoming epidemic proportions, and certainly even outside, in metropolitan areas, I think it's already pretty much at an alarmingly high rate. Well, I'll tell you, in rural areas, because I I live in the southeast, down here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we're seeing a huge increase in meth use, um, especially among heterosexuals um, through the the south and the southeast. So, I mean, what other drug, and, you know, what other drug can give you that instant high, that instant rush, and that instant gratification and you constantly want to go chase after it. I mean, that's why it's so high. And plus, you know, sex on meth is, is this amazing, fulfilling thing. And then what, and I think that's what a lot of people. You are totally love. glorifying methamphetamine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I mean, to. you, anyway. you, you, you um, what, well, what I would do, like, considering words are, mm-hmm. and, and what I write, and like, like, everything, like, you're saying is I potentially true, but like I would yeah. say, like it's per, the perception is the perception that, is yeah. the perception right. is no, that right. you know that that is the reputation that that drug has used yeah. or uh, has gained in the community. the The perception is that you know um, without it, sex can't be gratifying. The perception is that 
um, meth allows you these tremendous, like, connections with people mm-hmm. on some kind of, like, interpersonal level. Um, and the reason I can speak to this so firmly is because of the fact that, um, again, my personal journey after being di- diagnosed with um, HIV in 2001, I spiraled into this deep depression. And the way I lifted myself out of that erroneously and in such a misguided way was by becoming um, – diving into the drug culture. I had dabbled in it before, but I, when I was um, diagnosed in, in November 6, 2001, it stripped from me all of my hope for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I thought I was going to die. I had the whole mindset, like, I'm like, you know, this is going to be a quick descent into death. There's nothing left for me. I'm going to go out having fun. That was my, my thought, you know, and yep. I dove into this addiction really hardcore and and looking back at it, I see it as this kind of half-hearted effort to basically commit suicide. You know, since I was already going to die, that's how I thought, mm-hmm. that I was going to do it in this way. And all of the things that you, you mentioned about meth, like, were the way it was presented to me. Like, you know, it's so much fun. It's like, you know, the music's better, the nightlife's better, the sex is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. um, it was this tremendous escape. And the reality for people who are listening, what my personal experience was that a lot of that was true for a very short period of time, and then it simply became an addiction, mm-hmm. and it yeah, led to a lot, yeah. a lot of trouble for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I neglected my health for years. Um, I, you know, became unemployable. I couldn't make my, my get anywhere on time. I was strung out and coming down on, you know, middle of the week. I ended up losing my job. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, it was a terrible experience for me. And, you know, here it is almost 10 years later. I'm extremely healthy. So the drugs didn't kill me. The AIDS didn't kill me. Like, you know, HIV didn't do me in. Um, and basically, you know, it was just a terrible experience. And, by the way, like, my boyfriend and I had incredible sex, and I've never – done a single drug in the entire time that we've been together now. So, you know, um, all of those things that we mentioned, like, don't, you don't need meth for a wonderful connection with a good person, and you don't need meth for incredible sex, and, you You don't need a brain thing. And I just wanted to clarify, I'm not trying to glorify it, and I'm not trying to say that anybody should be doing it. It's, it's the, 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 there, there are perceptions, but the chemical response, of course, is that meth releases a, a great amount of serotonin and from from the uh, in the brain, and it, it causes people to chase after that high, it, which then leads into this greater addiction, and then on and on and on, and then goes into a very serious problem. And I'm not saying for anybody who's listening that meth is a good thing. It's not at all, let me tell you, um, personally speaking, not good. Um, but from a clinical standpoint, uh, it, it's, it, it does, it, it gives that perception of everything grand. And um, it's a very dangerous, dangerous thing to get involved with. Um, <clears throat> the, other, the other question I had was oh crud oh oh let me open the lines first um we have 10 minutes left we're 10 minutes of the hour and if anybody wants to give us a call and talk to Poyo Demar 
um, give us a call at 347-215-9442 and make sure um, that you let us know that you want to talk to um, Ms. Ms. Del Mar. Um, and we've been having a great, great time. So what now? Where, where, what are you doing now? I mean, besides all the fundraising events, you just stepped down off the chair. Um, where do you go now? What, what's happening for you? You know, that's something that's interesting. I don't know, and I'm completely okay with that. You know, I, at the moment, um, it's going to give me a little extra free time. You know, I'm still very active here in the community, and I, I hope to continue being active. It's an absolute gift, really, that, to be able to, to be such an integral part of a community I love. I, I write. You know, I'm, I'm looking to begin doing a lot of writing um, uh, more even. I write a weekly column in the San Francisco Bay Times newspaper. If you're friends of mine on Facebook or you join my fan page on Facebook, um, I post links to that every week, and that kind of chronicles some of my adventures, random things like um, meeting different celebrities and working with different celebrities To A lot of it, I, I've been very upfront and honest about this relationship I'm in. This is my first relationship in probably four years, and it's still new. We've only been dating four months, but, um, you well, know, like... congratulations. For, for gay men, four months is a, quite an accomplishment. Well, well if you add in gay years, I think that's ten. I, I know. We're, like, we're ready to, like... But, um, you know, and that, that's an interesting experience, too. He lives in New York. I live in San Francisco. He's... Um, He's he's on tour with um, you know this fabulous Broadway production. He's actually doing only one more city of that tour, and then going back to New York. And we're going to figure out how to make that work long distance for us. And it's something, and you know, the one thing I wanted to briefly talk about is that this has opened up an entirely new can of worms for me in the fact that um, we're zero discordant. He is negative, and I'm positive, and that is a challenge that. Um, my last relationship I didn't experience. You know, we were both positive, and this, this of course, that relationship was like four years ago. But um, it, it's just been very interesting. It's been an interesting challenge, and it's something where being in love with somebody, I want to do everything in my power to, like, be protective of him. And, um, and it's just been an interesting emotional experience, I think. Um, in, in terms of my career, I don't, I don't know. You know, like, people have asked before, um, about I, I was in the running sort of for to be on RuPaul's Drag Race um, a couple of years ago, and that didn't pan out. It was turned out fine. I had other opportunities presented to me, but you know, I'm, perhaps I'll look into doing that in the future. Who knows? You know, that that's the wonderful thing I think about. Um, you know, even regardless, my HIV status aside, is something I've learned is that HIV does not have to ever prevent me from setting my goals on something and working hard to achieve those. You know, that's, that's the incredible takeaway um, from my 10 years of experience. I thought at first that HIV defined me um, when I was diagnosed. I thought that that was become, became my identity, really, is HIV. And I yeah. realize now that that is not the case. No matter what it is I want to accomplish, um, my status aside, I, I can determine how successful I'm going to be at that. And I can work hard to make sure that happens. So good for you. So actually, my last question without me even asking you. Oh, I was going to mention a book to um, Poyo. Um, It's called Safer Sexy. You might safe and sexy. Safer Sexy. Safer Sexy. Okay. Safer Sexy. It was published back in the '90s, 
and it's all about gay sex using condoms and the different ways that you can use them and what you can do with them. So if you want to spice it up a little bit, I might I might even have a copy somewhere around here. I might be able to send you. Anyway, um, <laughs> but get that book. It's it's very pictorial, if you catch my meaning. They use live models. Um, but it, it's great. They talk about using yogurt and fruit and all. Anyway, get the book, and, and you might be able to find a few new tricks in there. Well, you know, the interesting thing is th- this, like the wonderful part about my relationship with him, and the, be- the best part, I think, about being in long distance is that it feels like every time we do get to see each other, we spend a week here and there together, and we're going to be going up to Seattle together um, at the beginning of next month. Every time is like we're still exploring, and because we are not together 24 hours a day, every day, we haven't yet gotten tired of each other, and so the sex is amazing. It's really incredible. So, <laughs> well, but, but when you're a married couple like this one, like the one like me, you'll, you'll need the book. <laughs> well, I'm kidding. The, the book is the, the book is great. It sounds like a fantastic resource. I'm going to check into it. I'm you should. never I'm never um, turned my nose up to learning a new idea. This. You know, <laughs> oh, it, it's. It, I mean, it, it goes into, and and this is for everybody who's listening, that this book is safer, sexy. It, it's it's a British, um, it's it's a British publication, but it, it's, it. I got it when I was like nineteen, and I was reading it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is hot. <laughs> but anyway, not about me. No, that's great. Right. I just want to know one. My last question to you, um, oh, is. Do you have a website coming soon? Um, I will have a website coming soon. I don't know exactly how soon. Um, it's one of those things I've been like I've tried. It's an interesting thing. I don't have I don't have the skill set to make my own website, and I would prefer not to have something like a GeoCities or whatever. You know, that looks yeah. terrible. I would rather rely on my Facebook and my Twitter and my. Um, and the Facebook fan page, I recently set up this Facebook fan page. On, uh, the thing is, like, I would never have done that originally. My, as far as I was concerned, my actual Facebook page was my fan page. You know, if they're my friend, they're my fan. But unfortunately, you're only allowed to have up to 5,000 people. And as I was rapidly started approaching 5,000, I asked people like Angina, who is a legitimate celebrity in my mind, and my friend Del Shores, who is a playwright in Los Angeles, what do you do in this case? And they said, set up a fan page and direct people there. It allows you to connect with them. Um, in the short term, look me up on Twitter. You know, you can search me on Twitter and search me on Facebook, and that's the best way to reach me. Um, you know, when you're relying on other people to design things for you, unless you've got the, a good deal of money to shell out and have it done right, right. And professionally, it's difficult. I mean, I asked somebody four years ago to design a Poya Del Mar t-shirt, and I still don't have one. I asked somebody two years ago to design a website for me, and they what they came up with um, while I greatly appreciated them donating their time, was just not what I wanted. So <laughs> I know well, the answer short term. is like I don't know when that's going to happen. I would love it to happen sooner rather than later, and I have a URL, but I haven't set up anything. So Isn't that what they say? You get what you pay for? I yeah, exactly. Some, um, yeah. I may have some helpful links for you to help you uh, create your own site and do that. I have a really easy system off email that to you after the show. But I wanted to thank you for coming on and, and chatting with us for the hour. It was a pleasure. It's absolutely a pleasure. I would I um have 
I always appreciate having that chance to talk to you guys, and thank you so much for all you do for the positive community. I think that it's fantastic, and certainly allowing people to hear voices of experience and hope and you know strength are something that's much needed in our community. So thank you guys for all you do. Aw, well, thank you. Thanks you have for a great everything night. you do. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Oh, and hey, um, I, I had a friend um, just ping me on, on Facebook really quick, and she says she loves you. She sees you all the time. So. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So. Right, Thanks thank so much. You. All, all right. right. Have a great night, guys. All right. Bye. Thanks. Have a great week. And you guys can find more information on Polo Del Mar on Facebook, backslash Polo Del Mar, or you could go to her Twitter page and follow her on Twitter at the Glamazon PDM. So it was a very interesting show. I love um, you know, having her on. This is the second time we had her on. I just wanted to talk real quick about some upcoming shows that we have. Next week we're going to have Nate Carfield um, from the Pod Cruise. He's going to come on and talk about um, the, the cruise coming up and next year's positive cruise for hetero and homosexual men. Uh, they do both, gay cruise and straight cruise, and he's going to come on and talk about that next week. And then on the 10th uh, we're going to have an hour of Hot Topics with Justin B. Smith. who will be joining as our co-host. Um, and we'll talk about the rest of the shows coming up. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Jeremy, again, congratulations. Thank you. Really led. Woohoo. And send uh, congratulations to Mark as well. And, uh, I will do that. I look forward to talking to you um, on the 17th. That's when you're back. Yes. See you, all everybody. Right. Have, a, have a great week. All right. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.